everyone, welcome back to Bible Baptist Church. Excited to see everybody this week. Please turn your hymn books to 109, please and thank you, 109. We'll all stand together and sing, I am resolved. Stand with me if you can, 109. I am resolved, amen. I love this song. singing. Mr. Ron, would you pray for us? Lord, thank you for the privilege of being in the church today. Pray you speak to our mm. hearts, Father, through your pastor as he gives a message, Lord. I pray you just speak through him to us. Mm. Lord, help us to block out all our distractions so we can listen and not be changed. We love and praise you. Thank you for Jesus, your son, mm. who died and paid for our sin debt that we couldn't pay. Amen. Please stay standing with me and please turn your hymn books to number 180, please and thank you. 180, when the roll is call up yonder. 180. <coughs> The trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more. 
And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair. When the Savior earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. seated. All right, we'll have Pastor come do announcements. I'll tell you what's a blessing is I think everyone's getting over the colds now because the the voices are singing louder than they were last week, so that's a blessing. Uh, it, is, it is good. All right, so just a, a few things to touch on this week. Uh, men's prayer breakfast is this coming Saturday, so 7.30 a.m. right here at the church if you're able to come. Um, so that'll be a good time, prayerfully a blessing. Um, also, the following, well, it won't be that next Saturday, or Sunday, rather, because that's the 30th, but um, Sunday, the 6th of November, we have missionary Al, I think it's Millar, I think it is, he's to Argentina, um, so he'll be with us that day, prayerfully that'll be a blessing, I have no doubt it will. Um, I got to talk to him on the phone for a little bit, had a great just a great conversation with them. I'm excited about what they're doing. It was really easy to talk to, even though he had a you know a, a Spanish accent. Still could just really have a good conversation with them. So that is good. Um, looking forward to that. Uh, ladies' meeting November seventh. So we're moving it up a week because we're going to be gone for a week or for a few days rather. And then uh, Thanksgiving Sunday November twentieth. So. Uh, that'll be the day we uh, have turkey and mashed potatoes and squash and chick whatever else. I'm not <coughs> going to tell you what we're going to have, but it'll be a Thanksgiving dinner. So we'll get a sign-up sheet out probably next Sunday. Um, I think you said you were going to, Erica will make the turkey, and then we'll have a sign-up sheet for some folks to bring the 
potatoes or squash or carrots or whatever and uh, we'll get that all sorted out so that's always a lot of fun and always a blessing and I haven't decided 100% but maybe I'll have a guest speaker come and be here for the day just change things up a little bit and just have some fun uh, so anyways that'll be the 20th of November after that I don't have anything to announce. That's probably getting too far out there anyway. So we'll focus on these for a few weeks and then we'll start talking about December. No, we'll wait on that. December's still a long ways away, right? Uh, but uh, anyways, good, good stuff. Looking forward to all those things. Seems like there was something else I wanted to share, but I don't remember where it was. Brother Elliot? Oh, I thought you had a question. <laughs> As you all know, it's Pastor Appreciation Day. And I all know how much we appreciate our pastor, and uh, we love you, pastor. We love your ministry and your family as well, as your family is involved in your ministry. And uh, thank you for all you've done for us, and we're going to do. And uh, we continue to pray for you that you stay faithful, and pray for you that God will protect your, you and your family. And uh, we love you, brother. Love you too. Thank you. Thank you, Glad brother. You. Appreciate it. Thank you, everyone. Uh, we are, Brother Elliot said in Sunday School, blessed with a great church family. And, uh, you know, I love all of you tremendously and am thankful for every one of you. And, uh, you know, we have, we've had guest pastors come and guest missionaries come, and any of them that spend any time here always comment on just what a loving group we have and just, uh, you know, just what a great church we have. They, they tell me every time, they're like, wow, Brother Nathan, you know, you just have such a great church family. You know, just everyone's so loving and kind and gracious to one another. And then we have visitors like Jesse come, and he comments about how right from the first time he walked in the door, he felt welcome. He didn't feel out of place. He didn't feel like anyone looked down on him because he didn't know, you know, anything about the Bible. And, and of course, now we know he's trusted Christ as his Savior. And, you know, big reason is... From the first time he walked in, he felt like he, he was welcome here and he was loved. And uh, that's what we want to do for whether it be a Christian that comes in or someone who doesn't know Christ as their Savior. We want to love them. <coughs> and uh, so I'm just, I'm thankful for you all. So thank you very much. From the bottom of my heart and my family's heart, thank you. All right. Oh, the other thing they always say is how good we eat. They always tell me, you have some good cooks in your church. Like, man, and act, that we kind of have a reputation <laughs> at our church. We go, we'll talk about meals, and they're like, yeah, but you guys have people who can really cook in your church. So you guys always, yeah, we do. We're spoiled. So <laughs> that's a blessing. But oh, anyways, we always get compliments on the food. So that's nice. All right, ushers, come on down. Together. Caleb, can you pray for the offering? Yes, God, thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. Please bless the offering, Lord. Please help us to have a good Sunday today, Lord. Thank you for the church family, Lord, and thank you for our pastor. In uh, Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
last song. If you will stand with me, if you can, please turn your hymn books to 116. Please and thank you. 116, I have decided to follow Jesus. I pray that we add this to ourselves every day and that we mean it. So when we sing it, I pray we mean it. I have decided to follow Jesus. We're all staying together if you can. Let's mean it with all our hearts. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though no one join me, still I will follow. Though no There's this picture I always think of of this song uh, that I listen to. It's where if all your friends and loved ones who serve the Lord with you had left and they had gone to the world, would you still be in the Lord? Would you, even though no one joins you in the battle for the Lord, would you still be following the Lord faithfully as you are right now? Is a good question I always think of. And I, want, I would want to serve the Lord to the last, my last life, you know, not, I don't have many lives, but you know what I mean, Till there was nothing left of me, I wanted to serve God all the way, and I pray we all would as well. All right, we'll have Pastor come up. Actually, we're all going to come up. Oh, yeah, we're all going to come up. best to sing this song for you. See how it goes. A couple of us have been fighting cold, so we're better now, but still dealing with some of the remnants, so prayerfully it goes well. You guys ready? Yeah. 
I am thankful that Christ is alive. I'm thankful that he did shed his precious blood on the cross of Calvary and that because of his sacrifice, you and I can have eternal life. 
I'm thankful that even when the grave tried to hide that truth, he rose again. It didn't keep him there. And for the victory that we can have through him. Uh, this morning, you know what else I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for the gift that it is to be used by him, to share with others what he's done for us, and have the privilege to see or be a witness or be a part of God working in someone else's life and them being set free from their sins and their eternal destiny of one day spending eternity in hell. That is a gift for us. It's a privilege, and we shouldn't take it for granted. I'm just, I'm thankful for it. And, uh, you know, sometimes it can see like, seem like a burden, but it's really a privilege. And it's a blessing. Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4 is where we're going to be. We will, we'll be done Ephesians 4 someday. Not Sunday, but someday. <laughs> Today, we're going to cover Ephesians, we're going to read Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, as we've done the last few weeks, talking about the ones. We are going to cover two of them today. I told you we would at some point probably tackle a couple of them in one shot. Uh, so today, we're going to do just that. We're going to cover two of them. Interestingly, they're not in order, but I didn't think I could address the one without talking about the other. So we probably could have done three of them, but I think the Lord Jesus Christ is going to get his own Sunday. I just think it's fitting that we deal with that uh, on one day. So why don't we go ahead and stand together. We'll read these six verses. We'll pray and be seated. And uh, yeah, all right. Let's go ahead and read verses one through six of Ephesians chapter four. It says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, and through all, and in you all. Let's go ahead and pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that we can learn, that we can see from the pages of your holy, inspired word. Thank you for the power of your word. And Lord, there's power in the words because they are your words. Thank you for perfectly preserving them from generation to generation, just as you promised to do. Thank you that we can confidently hold it in our hands, hold it in our laps, read it and study it. And Lord, through your word, we can learn about you. In Philippians, I think it is, Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death. Lord, I pray that that we would get to know you better. Lord, to know you at all begins at salvation. We first have to trust you as our Savior. And Lord, thank you for those here who have done just that. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that hasn't, I pray that you'd help all of us, Lord, to see what you've done for us, what the need is, 
whether it be personally or it be the need of the world, I pray you'd help us to see it. Lord, we just ask you to bless our time and that you'd be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, so in this passage, uh, we obviously, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about one body, and the Bible defines the body as the church, so we understand that. We talked about the local church. This year, this letter that we're preaching out of, that we're reading and been studying all year, Ephesians, it is a letter that was penned to the church at Ephesus. It was a local body of believers, and that would be the case. Uh, you know, we're a local body of believers. So, um, you know, we talked about that one body. And then last week, we talked about the one spirit, being the Holy Spirit. You notice that the S in spirit is capitalized. So we understand it's talking about the Holy Spirit, and we talked about the Holy Spirit and his, his work and what he does, what he did before we were saved, what he's done after we've been saved or is doing after we've been saved. We talked about those things. Well, this week, we're going to begin with what is this, uh, this third one, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. So we're going to talk about that. Um, and, uh, you know, we know God wants us to understand what the hope of our calling is. Ephesians 1.18 said, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. He wants us to know. He wants us to understand what we have in Christ. He wants us to know uh, all that he has done for us, all the work that he has accomplished in our lives to get us to where we are today, and then all the work that he wants to do. But he also wants us to know what, Eternity, uh, you know, what he's revealed to us at least about eternity. He wants us to know these things. And we have so much to look forward to. And if we keep our eyes on that hope, then it changes how we view the here and now. It changes how we respond to our circumstances. It changes how we respond to uh, the trials or the hardships that we face. It, it transforms our thinking about life in general, and it takes the focus off of ourselves and it puts it on Him and what we need to be busy doing for Him, how we need to be living for Him. And that's a tough thing for us to do because we're human beings, we're flesh, and what do we want to focus on? Ourselves. What does Galatians 5 say? The flesh warreth against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to lead and guide us to live for Him but then we've got our flesh that wants to live for us. So we've got this battle going on. Well, I don't want to preach on the Holy Spirit again. We did that last week. But we need the Spirit's help, and we need to live in the Spirit. Uh, you know, we've used, in the past, we've used the, uh, the picture of the two dogs. You've got the black dog and the white dog. The black dog, the flesh, the white dog, the spirit, and they're in a dog fight all the time. And the one that's going to win, we could say, is the one we feed the most, the one we care for the most. And, uh, you know, Paul prays, we talked about it back in Ephesians 2, I think it is, that we'd be strengthened in the inner man by his spirit. Uh, you know, we need to take care of the inner man, the spiritual man, and give the Holy Spirit liberty in our lives. Anyways. So we can't talk about the one hope of our calling without talking about the one faith, because we have no hope of our calling if we haven't believed, if we haven't placed our faith 
in something or someone. So uh, we're going to talk about those two today. So how are we called? To really define what this one hope of our calling is. Well, what's the calling? How are we called? How does that all work? So it's interesting the order in which we have this, uh, this thing laid out for us in these seven ones. We know God's word is inspired. We know that it's uh, the words have been chosen by God specifically and purposefully. We know they've been ordered by God specifically and purposely. So uh, we're going to see a little bit here about, I think there is an intentional order to these seven ones. So first you have the body. Well, why do we have the body listed first? Uh, the body's listed first, I think, because it's the body that is to be doing the work. It is the body that is to be out doing the work that God has called us to. And that work, we're going to see here in a moment, is to be out calling sinners to Christ. Calling sinners to place their faith. Now, it's not just us that does the calling, but we are to go out and to be a part or be, uh, be ones that do. God saved us, not just so he can take us to heaven. Otherwise, I know we say this often, we'd be there already. If God saved us just to take us to heaven, why are we still here? We're here because he wants us to be ambassadors for him. He wants us to represent him and be doing the work he began during his earthly ministry. He wants us to be doing that work now, today. So who on earth is to be filling the res fulfilling the responsibility of calling? Well, we are to be one doing that work. Uh, when you got saved, somebody probably shared the gospel with you, right? Whether it had been somebody behind the pulpit preaching the gospel, somebody one-on-one -on -one sharing the gospel, or someone gave you a gospel track or a Bible or a pamphlet or the information or wrote a book or whatever it might be. Someone told us, shared with us, or provided for us the information that we needed to be able to come to the knowledge of the truth so we could be saved. God uses the body of Christ, the church on this earth, to fulfill his great commission, which we'll touch on here in a moment. So when they did that, we had to do something. We're going to address that a little bit later. So Christ, when he was here on this earth, you know what he says in Luke 5, 32, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came to call the lost to himself. And by lost, I simply mean somebody who's never trusted Christ as their savior. That was what Christ did during his time here. That was his ministry. Uh, turn over to Romans 5 with me, if you would. Romans 15, sorry, Romans 15, not 5. Romans 15, verse 16. It says that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So, under inspiration of God, God had Paul pen this testimony that he should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. God set... Paul apart for the ministry of going to, who are Gentiles? We've defined this. Anyone who's not a Jew is a Gentile. So you and I, we're all Gentiles, according to the Bible. Uh, so 
God set the Apostle Paul apart and sent him out to go up and preach to the Gentiles that the Gentiles might be acceptable to God, that they might become his children and be usable by him. To be clear, it was Paul, I just said that, uh, that was sent out. And how did he do that? Well, without going to all the verses, I was tempted, but I don't want to keep everyone here all day long. Our lunch will be dinner if we're not careful. Uh, but we, Paul was called, set apart by the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, it says, The Holy Spirit said unto them, Separate me, Saul and Barnabas, for the ministry whereto I have called them, or going to send them, I forget the exact words. And then you know who laid hands on them and prayed for them and sent them out to do that work? It was the church, the body of Christ. So, Paul was called, empowered, and equipped by the Holy Spirit and sent out by the church. And uh, that's how that worked. Mark 16, 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's what Christ said to the, uh, to the apostles who made up the church. So by what power is the local church to do this work? Well, Acts 1.8, uh, you're familiar with that verse. You can turn there if you want, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We saw this one last week. We're gonna, we've got to stop for a moment here and talk about the Holy Spirit because it's not just you and I that are to be out calling sinners to Christ, but there is another person involved in that that has to be at work for someone to get saved, I believe anyways. Acts 1.8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and all Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to do this work as we go out. Uh, we learned a lot about the Holy Spirit last week, so we won't take a lot of time. He also convicts us of sin. We saw John 16, 7 to 9 last week. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, capital C, we know it's the Holy Ghost, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of, judge, uh, of righteousness and of judgment of sin because they believe not on me. So the Holy Spirit would come and reprove the world of, world of sin. And we looked at what that word reprove means, and it means to convince of a fault, to charge of a fault. Fault. There we go. So he shows us our sin and convinces us that it's a problem between us and God. He's the one that, that shows us that, that deals with that. We give them the Bible, and the Holy Spirit works in their heart to convict them and convince them not only of their sin, but also of the righteousness of Christ and of the judgment to come. And when we understand those things, then we can be in a place where we're ready to trust Christ as our Savior. So we, we plant and water, it says in, in 1 Corinthians, but God gives the increase. John 15, 26, when the Comforter is come, when I send, uh, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So the Holy Spirit comes and he testifies of Jesus Christ. He shows us our sin and our need of a Savior. He shows us there's only one who can save us from our sins. We're to give the words, the Holy Spirit convinces the heart and mind of the need. John 6, 44, well, how does a person come to salvation? John 6, 44, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You know who the Bible said, where the Bible said the Spirit comes from? 
whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. I believe it's through the Holy Spirit that men are drawn to Christ. He's come to testify of him. So the calling happens through us going and telling, go ye into all the world and teach the gospel, preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, we're to go out and to preach and to proclaim Christ, and it is the Holy Spirit who works on the heart and the minds of those that need to be saved. So it's a two-part. And you know what I, I take from that? The Bible said, uh, the Bible says to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know what I take from that? That the calling is for everyone. Everyone is called to be saved. But only those who of their own choice, of their own free will, choose to believe, will be saved. But anyone can be. God wants everyone to be saved. All right, so, shows us that everyone is called. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. Christ has commissioned us to go out into all the world. Well, how do we do that? We are a local church. We're working to reach Unity and Albion and Troy and Thorndike and Benton and Freedom, and we're trying to reach these towns around us. Well, how do we reach the whole world? Well, that board back there, that map, and we support people who are in different parts of the state or the country or the world. That's how we can reach the whole world. We may not have anyone on that. Well, actually, my brother, I need to get a prayer card from him. We sent him out of our church. And someday we'll send Elijah out of our church or kick him out. One or the other. I'm just kidding. Someday we'll probably send Elijah out unless God calls him to stay here and we'll see what happens. But uh, I don't want to tell you you have to leave, but we'll just see what God does. And someday we'll train up someone else and send someone else out. And I just pray that God would continue to raise up ministers in our church that down the road we can send out to either start a church or take a church or go to Africa or uh, Australia or Europe or Russia or wherever it is. I know Russia, but maybe God calls someone to Russia out of our church, and if he does, we want to be faithful to get behind him. Uh, but we, we, uh, we have a privilege to reach the world through our missionaries. And we can't do it on our own, so how do we do that? Well, we cooperate with other churches who also get behind those missionaries to provide them together the funds they need to go to where God's called them and do what God's called them to. So that's, a, that's, a, that's how that is done. And I already mentioned it, but 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. What can we do? Can we save anybody? No. Well, we can plant seeds. We can water seeds, but it's the Holy Spirit working on that person that brings the increase when they trust him. Uh, so, all right, moving on. So how do we get the one hope of our calling? So we, we are to go and call sinners to Christ. The Holy Spirit works in that process. So how does a person then go from hearing the call to having that hope? Well, this is where the one faith comes in. So we've got, I stopped talking about the order, but we've got the one body and the one spirit work together, even as you're called, in one calling 
or in one hope of your calling. So uh, we're working, the Holy Spirit and us are working together to call sinners to Christ. Once someone has, uh, so they, they hear about this hope, they get this message, the hope of their calling comes through the Lord Jesus Christ and their one faith in him. So, but we're skipping over the Lord sort of for today. I'm, I can't not talk about him, but next week we'll talk about the Lord if all goes well. So when a person is called to salvation through the gospel, through the Holy Spirit, uh, then they have to respond. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 15. I know we go to this passage. It is a good one. And uh, it's a good one for us to be familiar with. So that's why I'm having us all turn there. Because Brother Elliot talked about in Peter today, it says, be ready always to give an answer of the hope that is in you. I know I'm misquoting that a little bit, but to every man the hope that is in you. Yeah, That is our theme for the basketball team this year. So uh, we need to know what the gospel is to be ready to give an answer, right? Well, in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, it says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. So Paul's just in a, in a very uh, condensed form said, What I'm about to tell you applies to my own testimony too, because I've received what I'm about to tell you. Now there are times, particularly in Acts, where he gives his whole testimony. So he shares it with Agrippa and with Felix. He shares his whole testimony. Festus, there we go. Yeah, he shares his full testimony, but here he just says, listen, what I'm about to tell you, it's the same thing that I've personally received myself. This is something that is in me. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now we could go to the Old Testament and we can see prophetically, that's what that means by saying according to the scriptures, we could see prophetically where those things were uh, prophesied about, but we're not going to do all that today. But Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is the gospel in a nutshell. And it was, it was prophesied in the past. So gospel simply means good news. We're familiar with that, right? Gospel means good news. Anybody here not like to hear good news? No hands. I didn't suspect that would be the case. Uh, if you go to the doctors one time, and they tell you that you've got cancer, and that it's terminal, and there's nothing they can do, uh, and that you're going to die a horrible and miserable and torturous death, we're really sorry, but we, get, we can't do anything for you. That would be pretty bad news, wouldn't it? But if you go home and you go to another doctor for a second opinion and they say, uh, I don't know what that doctor was talking about, but we didn't find anything. There's no cancer. There's nothing in you that is going to kill you. You're perfectly healthy. That'd be good news, right? Uh, well, the bad news is we, you can't really have good news without having bad news, right? There has, to be a, uh, there has to be a reason for this news to be good news. What makes this good news? Well, there needs to be something bad that, that means that there's, this is something good in relation to it. Well, the bad news, of course, is Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know who all means? Well, if we go into the Greek, all means all. <laughs> That's that. Uh, all means all. 
And that's all all means. That's, somebody said that. I don't remember who it was. Probably a lot of people have said that. Uh, but all simply means that. So for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, do I qualify in that, uh, that fancy word all? Yeah, all applies to me, all applies to you, all applies to the whole world. In Romans 3.10, it says, For there is none righteous, no, not one. Well, I, I'm one of those that are not righteous. That's why the Holy Spirit testifies and, and reproves me of my sin and of righteousness, my lack of Christ's perfect righteousness and of the judgment to come that one day, if I don't have Christ's righteousness imputed to my account, then I am going to live forever in eternal judgment, in eternal damnation. So, uh, for all of sin come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Well, uh, that's bad news, right? Cancer, <coughs> terminal cancer is bad news. Well, knowing that my sin, that everyone in the world has committed, so I'm everyone, I'm all, Everyone's committed. Knowing that that sin means that I'm going to die is bad news. And we might think, well, everyone dies, so what's the big deal? Well, it's not talking about the physical death. We know everyone dies physically, and yes, that is a consequence of sin. But my sin personally isn't talking about just the, the physical death. Revelation 21.8. Turn over here with me. Revelation 21.8. I should be having us turn to those Roman passages too, so maybe we'll go to the next ones. Revelation 21 and verse number 8. It says, But the fearful, look at this word, unbe and unbelieving, people who had no faith, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Mm. So there's the first death. Everyone dies the first death. But then there's a second death, which is for all of eternity, where those who did not believe and were guilty of sin, which is everyone, will burn for all of eternity in the lake of fire. Uh, that's not a very encouraging bit of information. So far, we've heard nothing but bad news. I thought you were talking about the gospel, Pastor, that Christ died, was buried, that he rose again, according to the scriptures. I thought we were talking about good news, the gospel, yes. Well, to hear good news and understand why it's good news, we have to understand that there's something bad that we need right. to hear good news about. Right. Amen. So... That Romans 6.23, turn over to Romans with me, chapter 6. The first two verses we talked about were in Romans 3, 3.23 and 3.10. You flip-flop the order, it doesn't matter really. The, there's none righteous, no, not one, that's verse 10. For all of, uh, no, yeah, for all of sin to come short of the glory of God, that's verse 23. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. We stopped there, and we stopped there on purpose the first time, but the second part of the verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know what's unique about a gift? A gift is free. Uh, it's not a gift if you have to buy it or you have to earn it or you have to do something to receive it. Then it's not a gift. You know what else is neat about a gift? 
is it's free because it was paid for by someone else. So someone still had to pay for the gift. But it wasn't you and it wasn't me if it's a gift to me. So the wages, that means payment that we earn for our sin was death, but there is a gift. We're getting to the good news. I know you all probably know what it is, but uh, and in regards to this gift, Romans 5, we're not going to go and read through all of it, but it calls, it says gift or free gift multiple times in Romans 5, but for sake of time, we won't talk about them. But we are going to look at another verse in Romans 5, verse 8. Romans 5, verse 8. Maybe you can quote it, maybe you can't, but God commendeth, it means he demonstrated, he proved, God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, you've got to clean up your life and change it for me to die for you. He didn't say, you need to start living for me and then I'll die for you. No, while we were still sinners, Christ paid the penalty for our sins, knowing that there would be many who would never receive it. But he still paid for their sins anyways. That's why the gift is available to all for whosoever. We're going to get there in a few minutes. Uh, in Romans 5, we just read verse 8, but in verses 9 and 10, much more than being now justified by his blood. That word justified means to be made just as if I were never a sinner. So the Holy Spirit reproves us of our sin. He accuses us and convinces us that we're sinners. And he shows us Christ's righteousness, that he is perfectly righteous. Well, you know, it's incredibly wonderful is when we're saved, when God looks at us, he doesn't see Nathan Pelkey's unrighteousness. Thank God he sees Christ's perfect righteousness. Christ never was a sinner. He didn't have an earthly father, and he never did one thing wrong. Never had one wicked thought, never had one impure thought, never had one wick, did one wicked deed or had an, uh, did an impure deed. He was perfectly sinless and righteous. And Christ's righteousness, his perfection, has been applied to my account and your account if you are, if you are born again. I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. But he has offered it and provided it as a free gift to all those who will receive it. You know what else is unique about a gift? When someone offers it to you, if you say, I don't want it, did you get that free gift? No. I get free gifts in the mail all the time. I get keys in the mail that, to go to the uh, dealership and stick it in the box and see what my free gift is. Uh, I get advertisements in the mail or email saying, your free gift is ready for you. It's available. We get offered free gifts all the time that we say, I don't want it, right? So did, did I get that gift if I said no? No. And, and I would probably recommend you don't accept most of those gifts because they're, they're probably just trying to rope you into spending lots of money or, uh, or getting your information and who knows. Uh, I don't trust any of those things. So I understand. We're skeptical. Right? When somebody offers us a free gift, there's a, there's a bit of skepticism that we might have. But we're offered a free gift. It's up to us if we're going to receive it or not. 
Verse 9, we started it. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. What we read about over in Revelation 21, that sounded quite a bit like wrath, didn't it? During the tribulation period, God's wrath will be poured out on the earth. Praise God, if we're born again, we won't be here. We won't experience it. You know the last time God's wrath was poured out on the earth? Back in Genesis chapter 6, right? Noah's flood. You know what uh, God did for the ones who chose to believe him and follow him? He had them build an ark and he kept them safe the whole time. They didn't experience God's wrath. The rest of the world who rejected God's promise took Noah 120 years to build the ark. You know what he did for those whole 120 years? He preached to the man in the world, telling him there is rain coming. There is judgment coming. Come and get on the boat with us. Come and get on the ark. And you know what they did? They laughed at him. And you know what ultimately happened? Judgment came. And they faced the consequences. Did we read verse 10? No, we didn't. For if then, uh, no, for if when we were enemies, before receiving the righteousness of Christ to our account, we were God's enemies. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Christ had to die, but he also had to rise. If he had stayed dead in the grave, there would be no reconciliation. All right, moving on. Romans chapter 10. You ever hear the Romans Road? That's basically what we're traveling right now, is the Romans Road. So how do we receive eternal life? Well, Romans 10, verses 8. We're going to read 8 through 10. A lot of times we just do 9 and 10, but I like verse 8 too. It says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Mm. We're going to one faith next. So we're talking about faith some today too. So we hear it. It's in our mouth. It's in our heart. We've heard it. If the Holy Spirit's working, we know what we got to do. This word of faith, which is being preached. Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, so what is that telling us? Well, if we want to receive or we want to have the hope that is talked about, which we're going to define here in a few moments, if we want to have hope in this world, then we've got to place our faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. We've got to believe the gospel. And if we don't, then we can search for hope in anything and everything we want to. You know, I think of Jesse, who just got saved a few weeks ago. And he said after his stroke... And after his car accident, he said the doctors told him, you have a week to live. Then they told him, you have a month to live. And then six months. And then a year. I might have added one in there. but It was three or four different times they told him, here's your deadline. Here's your deadline. Here's your deadline. You're going to be dead. And he's passed them all. 
And I think they've given him another one at this point, and he says, at this point, I just don't even believe them anymore because they've been wrong every time. So he, was, he had no hope as far as life is concerned. And he was lost, so he had no hope as far as eternity was concerned. But Brother Elliot knocked on his door one day and just invited him to church, gave him a gospel track, an invitation. And he came to church, and I think it was the second time he came that he said, I believe I know now why I'm still here. Why I didn't meet, or why I passed all of the deadlines the doctors gave me. It's because of this. It's what I'm here hearing now that I'm coming here. And it's just several weeks later, he trusted Christ as his Savior. Why? Because he realized he had been given bad news. But there was good news. And when he came to the point where he believed the good news, he placed his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, well, certainly there's more than one way. All spokes lead to the sea, or all spokes lead to the hub, all rivers lead to the sea, right? I mean, no, wrong. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I think it is, yeah, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Not, not me, him. He is the one Lord we'll talk about next week. There is only one way. We must, through one faith, place our trust in the way to receive eternal life and the one hope. It's available to all. It's available to everyone, but only possessed by those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ, Christ alone. So what, what is the one hope of our calling then? So we've got, uh, there's a calling. We need to have our, place our faith and then what is the one hope of our calling? Well, first, what is biblical hope? We've defined it before. It is an earnest anticipation of something that we know is going to happen, something we know is going to take place. Uh, Romans 8.24, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? If we see something, we don't have to hope for it. It's right in front of us. So we're hoping for that that we know is going to happen, but we don't see yet with our eyes. Uh, are we currently redeemed? Yes. Do we currently have or possess eternal life? Yes. But we have not experienced the fullness of those things yet. And there is a day coming where we will. And that's a day we can look forward to. That's a day that gives us hope because we know that day is coming. And we can look to that day and focus on that day Romans 15, 13. Turn here with me if you would. Romans 15, 13. It says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You want peace? You want joy? You want hope? You've got to believe. You've got to have faith. They're available to those who believe. And I'll tell you, even as Christians, sometimes our faith can waver on things when it comes to trusting what God says. And what, what happens when we do that? We start to lose hope. We start to lose our peace. We start to struggle with joy. 
The God of hope wants us to be full of those things. Well, how do we get it? Well, he's got to give it to us through the power of the Holy Ghost. But he does that when we believe, when we don't waver in our faith. We talked about it Wednesday night a little bit, that what did Israel do for 40 years in the wilderness? They didn't grow numerically. They wandered in the wilderness. Why? Because they didn't take God at his word. They didn't believe what he told them. Well, you and I can wander around in the wilderness too if we want to. All we got to do is just not believe what God has told us. But if we believe it and we live our lives with what Christ has promised us at the front of our minds and we focus on him and we focus on what he wants us to do and we focus on what he's promised us and we keep our faith in that, well, then we can have joy and hope and peace and all those things. So, uh, lastly, we find our object, or the object of our hope in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. One day he's coming again. And the blessed hope is the day we get to see him. He is the blessed hope. The day we get to see him. That's going to happen on one of two different occasions. It'll be different for some people, the same for others. It'll either be the day we breathe our last breath and we meet him in heaven and we're with him for all of eternity, or it'll be the day that he appears in the sky and raptures us off this earth. Uh, I don't know which one's coming first for all of us, for any of us. Uh, I do believe he's coming back soon. I mean, look at the world right now. Are there any promises left for him to fulfill? I think he's covered everything. He's covered all his bases. Uh, Israel is a nation. They have been for, was it 1948, we've said? So 60, 70, over 70 years now. I don't know, according to Isaiah, the, the generation that saw that come to pass won't pass away before the Lord comes back. Uh, I mean, is that talking about this time, or is there going to be another time? I don't know. All I'm saying is be ready because he can come back at any time. Is that scary? It shouldn't be. We should be excited. That's our blessed hope. Yeah. It should give us hope that, you know what? I know for some people, you know, some of the young people, they might be thinking, but I wanted to get married, and I wanted to have kids, and I want to... Well, I was there once too, so I understand. Believe me. I understand that, that place. But you know, there's a song that uh, the Glory Bound Quartet from Heartland sings. It's, Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear. Uh, you know, the burdens that are on this earth, we won't have to worry about them anymore when we're with him for all of eternity. Uh, what a blessing that's going to be. We have so much to look forward to. I pray that the hope we have to look forward to, when the day we get to experience the fullness of eternal life, I pray that that is a motivator for us. I pray that we have hope because of that day and that that gives us joy and peace in the power of the Holy Ghost. It ought to. And if it's not, it's not there's something wrong with him or with his promise, it's that there's something wrong with us. And one, you know, maybe someone's here that's never trusted Christ as their Savior. That would prevent us from having hope. Maybe there's someone here that's saved, they know they're saved, but they're struggling with joy and peace and hope. I'd ask you, how's your walk with God? What is your focus on? It's really hard for us sometimes to keep our focus on our hope.
and not on what's going on here and around us. I, I honestly, I don't really follow the news. I hear from little bits and pieces from people. I probably should know what's going on, but I find no joy or peace or hope in knowing all the things that are taking place. I don't know that it helps me other than being a constant reminder the day the Lord's coming back is getting closer. It sure reminds us of that. Uh, do I get involved? I go and vote. I do all those things. Uh, but I just, you know, honestly, I, I, I think I'm, I am better helped by focusing on this and what this says and him and what he's called me to do than constantly being consumed and weighted down by the world. Uh, I just, and if you disagree, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to pick a fight or be a problem for anybody. I just, I just have never been helped by it, by knowing those things. It has never benefited or even, or blessed me. But this has. He has. And knowing that hope and, and focusing on that hope has helped me. Uh, so take that for what it is. Uh, you know, we have individual soul liberty. Everyone's entitled to do what they want to. But I promise you, you will get more out of this than you'll ever get off of Fox News or whatever other, you know, news site or place you go. You'll get more out of this than anything else. All right, well, that's what I have for today. I'll go ahead and we'll pray and have a moment of invitation and then we'll dismiss. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. And Lord, the truth is, if we can find ourselves lacking hope because of our circumstances or what's going on in our life or in the world. We can find ourselves, when we focus on those things, being stripped of our joy and our peace. But Father, when our hope is in the Lord, as we sing, when we focus on you, your word, your promises, the work you've called us to, oh, what hope and joy and peace we can have. When the Holy Spirit is guiding our lives, what hope and joy and peace we can have. Lord, I, I don't think there's anyone here that would say, I don't want those things. I'd rather be miserable and stressed and discouraged and disheartened by everything that's going on. Lord, we all want to have hope. And I pray that you'd help us to keep our eyes on you, to keep our eyes on your word and your promises. And Lord, if there's someone here today that's a Christian and they, they've been lacking in these areas, I pray that you would reveal to them, reveal to me, reveal to us where we're going wrong so we can have them again. Lord, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, they've never been born again, they've never trusted in you, then, Lord, I pray that you would, through the work of the Holy Ghost, the, the Bible's been preached, the message has been delivered, the seed's been planted or watered. Lord, we know it's you that brings the increase. The Holy Spirit has to work, and then the people or the person has to respond in faith.
And Lord, I pray that you would work today. Before we close the prayer, is there anyone here that would slip up their hand and say, Pastor, I don't know that I'm saved. Or maybe you'd even say, I know I'm not saved. I've never trusted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And I can say I don't have any hope. There's little to no peace or joy in this world. But I know the one who offers it, who can provide it. If you're here today and that's you, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you just slip up your hand? I know I'm not saved. I know that my eternity doesn't look very good. There is bad news for me. But I want to know and receive the good news. If you're here today and that's you, would you just slip up your hand? How about Christians? I won't ask you to raise your hand, but if you're here today and you'd... Maybe you'd say, I need to do a better job of being a witness of fulfilling the Great Commission because God's called the church to do it and I'm a part of a church. Maybe you'd say there's some things in my life that's hindering and preventing me from having hope, from having joy, from having peace. I'm focused on the wrong thing. We'll just take a few moments as the piano plays, give folks time to pray, and then we'll then I'll dismiss and close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for uh, everyone who's here today. I pray that the message, I pray that your word has found good ground to take root in our hearts. I pray that we've been helped, will be helped by what you had for us today. And Lord, I just pray that you would accomplish what it is that you want to accomplish in each and every one of us. I pray we would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and to the Word of God, 
as you apply them to our hearts and lives and seek to make the changes and produce the fruit that you desire to produce. Lord, we just ask these things. Uh, Lord, bless the food to our bodies. Bless the fellowship next door. We ask these